I want to ask you this morning, where is your life heading? That's the kind of question people often only ask when they feel it isn't heading in the right direction, but it's an important question for all of us to consider. We're going to look today at someone who thought everything was heading in the right direction and discovered actually they were totally wrong. Wherever you think you're heading, wherever your life is heading, I've got hope for you today. Just to get you up to speed, particularly if you're uh, visiting us today as a guest, we're so glad you're with us. We have just started a major new preaching series uh, called Free From. And we're going to be looking at some of the many things that Jesus Christ has set Christians free from. And many of them are described in a letter that the early church leader Paul wrote to the Christians in Galatia, uh, which is in modern-day Turkey. And the whole, the whole letter is really uh, just a demonstration and a description of what God has set people free from. And the story behind this letter, the reason it was written, uh, was that Paul had gone to Galatia and had preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that if you put your trust in him, he will rescue you uh, from your sins, from your old way of life, bring you into a new life. It's amazing, it's wonderful, and it is free. And then some other Christians had come along and said, well, that's not quite it, actually. I mean, it's true, great news, yes, but once you have accepted Jesus, there's a lot of things you do need to do if you're going to be you know, right before God. You need to make sure you're obeying uh, many of these laws and rituals that you see written in the Old Testament. Guys, it's important that you do that. And whilst Paul would never denigrate the Old Testament, he loved it, he said, no, that's not the case at all. And so he spends the first two-thirds of this letter um, explaining to people, uh, explaining to his readers why the case that he brought to them is the true situation rather than what they've recently been taught. And he does this in a number of ways. He looks at what the Old Testament itself says. He looks at the faulty logic in his opponent's argument. And he describes his own experience of the revelation of God that he received. And it's this that we're going to focus on this morning. We're going to look at what he tells us about this in Galatians 1, 13 to 24. And he's going to tell the story of how his life got turned upside down. And as we do this, as we look at Paul's story, we're going to see it's the shape of every Christian's story. And the shape of it is an offer of great hope to anyone. Whatever you, wherever you've come from, whoever you are, there is hope available for you this morning. So I want to pray that God will make that clear to us and then we're going to read from his word. Jesus, we love, uh, we love you. We love your goodness. We love your grace. Um, those of us who have enjoyed celebrating it this morning are thrilled that we've been able to do that. Now we're going to look at uh, things we've referenced in our songs that we are not just getting excited for no reason. We have a solid, secure, historically based, wonderful, personal hope that you are a God who changes lives. And we love you and trust you for that. And Lord, for those who are unsure of that or totally um, not interested in it whatsoever, I pray that you, by your spirit, would be at work in their hearts too now, helping them to see this great good news. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read from Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 13. And what I, as we're reading this, I want you to look out for the different chapters in Paul's life, the kind of different stages he describes, because that's what we're going to spend our time looking at. Verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism 
how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that in Christ, they, were on, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So Paul gives a, a brief uh, history of some of the key moments of his life in this excerpt. And, and the, uh, later on into chapter 2, uh, he does the same as well. I'm just going to focus on three key stages of his life that he describes. He describes a life of destruction. He describes interruption and then new life. So let's go. We're going to start with destruction. Paul starts with life was like what his life was like before Jesus interrupted it. He says, "I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it." Now, even if you um, even if you don't believe in Christianity, if you're here today, think, no, I mean, these guys seem nice, but this is this is nonsense. You probably are not of the opinion that we should be violently attacked. This church should be uh, destroyed, and we should all be cleared out and that kind of stuff. You think, well, okay, fine, but. But this is what, that's what Paul was like. And we think, wow, that's completely different to us. But actually, Paul's actions were really just an expression of who he was. He describes himself, he says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Now, this isn't about Judaism at all. It's just typical of what happens when people aggressively pursue goals that are contrary to God's will. If you are living against God consciously or unconsciously, if you are going against him, you are going to hurt others. Because God is the giver of life. Every good thing comes from him. To go against him is to, be, uh, is to associate yourself and bring your life into a damaging uh, situation. People who do this hurt others and they actually they hurt themselves. Paul, he was like the top of his class. He was the shining light. He was an example to others and he was striving for more. By the metrics that he and his contemporaries would have used, you know, he, was, he was on a sharp upward curve. His life was kind of, it was like that, yeah? Getting better all the time. Everyone here wants their life to look like that. You might kind of slightly disagree with the steepness of the angle. You might think, oh, come on, Paul, let's, you know, let's push this a bit. You might think, well, just to head in an upward direction would be great. And we have our own ways of measuring this. We have um, you know, the qualifications that we have. The more qualifications, the better I'm doing, the higher up the, up, the, uh, up the curve I'm going. Our status at work. We get a promotion, things are going well, I'm going upwards. The size of our house, we've moved, we moved to a bigger house. No one ever says, yay, we moved to a smaller house. Like, yeah, yeah, we moved to a bigger house, nicer area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going up the arrow. Our kids' achievements. You start to have kids and suddenly you're like, wow, yeah, they are doing very well at school. I'm going up the arrow. Social media notifications. Getting more and more and more. I say these things, everyone loves it. <laughs> General satisfaction levels. I'm happy with my life. 
today than I was yesterday. Things seem to get better. I'm happier. We think that if we are heading upwards, according to these or whatever it is that your ambitions are, if you're heading upwards, life's going well. Now, we know of plenty more people successful, or plenty of people much more successful than us, uh, and we read you know, magazine interviews, all these kind of things. They usually come to the point where they say, Do you know what? I've got everything, and I'm still not actually happy. I'm still not actually satisfied. My life still isn't really what I wanted it to be. And yet, we still believe that the same system that failed for them will work for us. We still think, well, I mean, they've, they just went for the slightly wrong ambition. I've got a different one. I'm going to be fine. And we think to ourselves, well, the reason I'm not happy now is because I'm not high enough up that arrow as I want to be. I'm not high enough up the chart as I want to be. Rather than the truth, actually, this is an impossible pursuit. If you're kind of thinking, I need to achieve, I've got to achieve all these things, bigger house, better job, more friends, all this kind of stuff. If you think, that's what, I, that's what my life needs to be like, then like Paul, you've got it wrong. The only measurement that matters as creatures made by God is our relationship to him. So even if this curve chasing seems to be working for you right now, I need to tell you, it, you are in a flawed system. You are, what you're doing is not going to work for you ultimately because what matters is how you are related to God. And although our relationship with God is not a points-based system as all of these other things always are, it is possible to be either very close to God or very far from him. And so if we think about that on a graph, it looks actually rather different. The further we go along prioritizing these other things, the worse our relationship to God gets. Because the default for us is to go our own way. The default for us is to turn away from God. That's what everyone does. And the longer life goes on, typically the harder our hearts get and the more we learn to ignore him. Every good thing that happens to us, we fail to give him the credit for. Any bad things that happen, well, of course, that's clearly true that God either doesn't exist or if he does, he's a horrible person and you wouldn't want to know him. We do both those things at once and don't feel there's any contradiction in that. And as that goes on, over time, our hearts get harder and we get further and further from him. And then the curve of our life story is headed to the, in the opposite direction to what we thought. And its end is destruction. We're headed for the worst place of all. The logical conclusion of living this life with no reference to God, which is eternity without him. Now some of you who are Christians might not have had much time to head down this way. Uh, many of you will say, actually, I, was, I, I became a Christian at a very early stage in my life. The interruption that we're about to talk about happened early on. Well, thank God for that. Be grateful to him for that. I sometimes speak to people who say, oh, I don't have a very dramatic story. You're like, man, how far down this route do you really want to have gone? Many of you, God has been very kind and rescued you before you headed too steeply down it. Even if he did, consider what your life would have been like if he hadn't, if he had just let you go. Maybe you've had times as a Christian where you've kind of turned away from God, you've rebelled against him, you've gone your own way. You know how destructive that was, what a mess that was. Think what it would have been like if God hadn't grabbed hold of you again. The reality of the trajectory of our life lived without God is that it is destructive. Paul is a kind of, he's a, he's a dramatic example of that because he's, you know, he's persecuting Christians. He's trying to kill people. So you kind of think, well, this is obvious that this isn't working. Um, but actually, all of us, when we're living for ourselves, damage others. 
And when we're not living in reference to God, we cause harm to ourselves and to other people as well. What can be done about this? How can it change? Well, Paul describes the great turnaround that happened in his life in three phrases. He says, God set me apart before I was born. He called me by his grace and he was pleased to reveal his son to me. Each one of those phrases, who gets the credit? Who is the prime mover in each one of these things that Paul says, this is how my life changed around? When you read usually you know, other bits of media, stuff like that, people say, what happened to your life? How did it turn around? Well, I discovered a great new action plan and I put it into place. Or well, someone told me something and I thought, that's really true. And as I lived in the good of that and as I started to do it, my life changed. Paul says nothing like that. Paul says, God interrupted my life. We don't sort ourselves out. God does. The first phrase is so similar to a line spoken by God in the Old Testament. Uh, it's the prophet Jeremiah. I think Paul must have had it in his mind as he was writing this. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. All the things that we have done and all that we will do cannot preempt God. He is before us in all things. There's nowhere our feet can go that he doesn't know about. And he uses this knowledge and power. Here's the amazing thing. He uses this knowledge and power for our good. To interrupt our lives. To rescue us from the mess that we are making of them. Now it doesn't always feel like this to us. So we Set apart before I was born, it doesn't feel like that. If you, if you think of when, uh, if, you became, if you're a Christian, think of what life was like when you were becoming a Christian. It felt, I guess, kind of like a journey, a process, a, a series of steps, the things you would, oh, I learned this and I learned that. But when you become a Christian, you then look back and think, man, this was God's plan all along. You look back on the stages of your life and how God arranged it, and you realize, man, before I was born, he was at work at this. And Paul says, he called me by his grace. Grace is the rich, free, loving kindness of God with all his favour and goodness included that he gives to us independent of us. It takes no account of where we are on our personal graphs of success. It takes no account of actually where we are in relation to him. Paul at this time is opposing God. He is trying to destroy what God is building. And what is God's response to him? To do him the ultimate good. That's how God treats him. See, I mean, that just doesn't make sense, does it? It's like, all right, this, this guy, he's kind of hating God and his actions. He's killing God's people. And God says, I know what I'll do. I'll do him good. That is grace. That is the gospel. If you're a Christian, that is what happened to you. And when it happened, what was this goodness? Was this goodness that God said to Paul, Paul, stop all that. I'm going to turn your life around. Here's a list of things to do instead. If you do these things... You will be acceptable to me and life will go well for you. God doesn't say that at all. God says, Paul, here is salvation. Here is rescue. Here is acceptance and righteousness and goodness from me to you right now. It was an unearned gift of acceptance, one for him by Jesus' life, death and resurrection. That's what God gave to him. And then he describes the moment himself, the moment itself. He says it simply, God was pleased to reveal his son to me. Now Paul, of course, already knew that Jesus was a real person. 
just as anyone who's serious about history today does. There's no doubt as to whether or not Jesus existed. But the turning point of Paul's life, the turning point of every person's life, is when you truly realise, when you see who Jesus really is. And the book of Acts in the Bible tells us about how that happened to Paul. So he was headed on the way uh, to Damascus. He was going to find any Christians he could there. He would be arresting them. He'd be hoping for some death sentences to be called out on them. And then suddenly he is struck down by a blinding light. And he knows this means he's in the presence of God. He's not, this is curious weather. No, this is a blinding light. Everything's changed around him. He knows God is there. And, but, you know, then what happens? He has these horrifying words. He's in the presence of God. This is the last thing you want to hear. Why are you persecuting me? I mean, if you're in the presence of God, that, is, that doesn't sound great at all, does it? Why are you doing something so wrong to me? And so Paul, this is suddenly turning Paul's mind up. And he's like, well, who are you, Lord? And then he gets the answer, I am Jesus. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Paul, who thought his life has been heading upwards and upwards and he's doing better and better and better, actually finds he's been getting worse and worse and worse. The very person he wanted to destroy turns out to be the Lord of all. What on earth is going to happen to him? He's going to be saved. He's going to be rescued. He's going to be taken out of that downward trajectory because God has interrupted his life. Jesus, who had been publicly executed in Jerusalem some, some time before, is now alive, speaking to him, his God, and says to him, I've come to rescue you. I've come to save you from the direction you're heading in. Paul confesses this, uh, says this formula in Romans 10, 9, and other letters he wrote. He says, well, this is kind of what happened. This is what this moment was like. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what happens to Paul in that moment. So that's happened to many of us here. In some ways or other, different circumstances, we suddenly realised Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead. My life needs to be radically changed. So, God interrupts this destructive life and what happens? New life comes instead. Now, Paul, the, the kind of details in the rest of this passage that we've been reading, Paul's talking about a lot of the details of how that happened. He suggests there's a long period of adjustment, but the change in him was immediate. So a number of things happened to him straight away. The death of Jesus was sufficient for every wrong thing. Everything that Paul had done on that downward trajectory, every sin against God, Jesus' death dealt with it. God punished Jesus instead of Paul. So it's gone in a moment. Incredible. But then, that's not it. Christians don't just say that Jesus died. They say he rose again to new life. And he's alive now. And that new life he gives to us. And so Paul now receives a new life from God. Resurrection life. And empowered by the Spirit of God. The presence of God himself now is in Paul's life. And he's able to live a completely different way to how he lived before. And he summarises this in that the report that went through the churches was simply and incredibly that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. His life had been going this way and now God has interrupted it and sent it this way instead. He's totally changed. You see the complete work that God does here. It doesn't just say, Paul doesn't say, the message is that he who used to persecute us has been stopped. I mean, that would have been great. 
wouldn't it? If you're a Christian in that context, say, this guy's been persecuting us, he's been killing us, he has been stopped. You'd be like, amazing. God, phenomenal job. How did you do that? Incredible. Thank you so much. But for God, that's not really the half of it. And Paul's life shows us this. He who used, to per- who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. What a complete turnaround. What absolute, I was destroying things and now I'm preaching it instead. God's that radically changed my life. When God interrupts your life, it isn't just to deal with the bad and to stop all of that. It is to bring you into a new good. A whole new way of life that is phenomenal and wonderful and fulfilling. He did it for Paul, he does it for us. Now the aftershock of this for Paul's life was massive. So this is where we have to kind of be careful with comparisons. Because so for Paul, what he did is he wrote a huge part of the Bible. He spread Christianity over the Roman Empire at great personal cost. And then he influenced Western civilization uh, for the next 2,000 years. So, I mean, that's, I mean, God did a huge job there. The way in which God interrupts us and what follows our lives is almost certainly not going to be as spectacular as that. But the shape, the pattern of it is the same. Because you see, the more and more you look in the Bible, the more and more you see, this is what God does all the time. Paul may, in terms of his impact, be exceptional, but the the pattern isn't exceptional at all. It's absolutely standard Jesus. It's a guy called Zacchaeus. He is a tax-collecting crook. Jesus comes to his house, speaks to him. He becomes the most generous and just man in town. He repays everyone who he ever cheated, and then he gives away loads more of his wealth to the poor. How does that happen? See, Zacchaeus, you're a tax collector. People don't like that very much, particularly in that day. Um, And you're a crook. You're cheating everyone. You're heading down. And then Jesus interrupts your life. And you don't just stop being a crook. You, You become generous. And you become just so now your life goes this way. There's a woman, she's been suffering with a discharge of blood for 12 years, the gospel tells us. And she was debilitated, she was poor, she'd been paid for medical treatment, it had only made the situation worse. But she knows that Jesus is in town one day, and there's a huge crowd, and so she struggles through the crowd, thinking, if I can just touch him, I'll be changed. I know he could heal me, because he's done it for so many others. She gets through, she touches him, she is healed, it immediately stops. The interruption of God and new life comes before her. But not just that, Jesus turns around to her, speaks to her, blesses her. And her life is now going this way. You see this throughout the Gospels. People come to Jesus with messed up lives. They encounter his power and love and they go away changed. It's still happening today. This is still God's pattern. This is still how God deals with us. And to prove it, I did some research on Facebook. It's a small sample. So for those of you who do statistical analysis, I apologise. But I asked Christians I'm friends with on Facebook from a variety of places, variety of ages. I said, how much of a difference do you feel Jesus has made to your life? And I gave them a bunch of options. Not at all. Not really. Not sure. A bit. Yes, quite a lot. Yes, radically. These are the results. 49% yes quite a lot 51% yes radically no one went for less than that every person who responded said Jesus has really really changed my life they shared what life had been like before they came to know him just some of the quotes self-centered lack of meaning searching in the wrong places and being constantly disappointed 
Life was confusing. What I would do and think were all dependent on what I would feel, which was a complete disaster, as my emotions were always unpredictable. Life was a horrible roller coaster. Or it was two-dimensional. There was no depth, no true, real, or lasting joy. Life was okay, but it was like there was all this, this sense I was living in a shadow. I always felt I was missing out on some kind of summer's day that was happening just a step away. Someone else said, I struggled with depression and self-harm for years, self-harmed for years, to distract myself from my emotional pain and to punish myself. Now I asked them, what was life like since when Jesus interrupted? Someone said, my life as a Christian makes sense. I find a reason to live, to do better, but not out of guilt, but out of love. Someone else, I now consider others' well-being much more and I'm willing to help others for their own sake. Someone said, it's still fairly confusing, but it doesn't scare me anymore. I feel firmly grounded in God's love and that gives me peace during chaotic times. Another, God completely healed my heart of all those feelings of worthlessness. I was set free from depression dramatically and haven't self-harmed since. And finally, I asked them to describe in three words the difference that Jesus had made to their life. There was love more than pretty much anything else. There was hope. There was peace. There was joy. There was purpose. There was life. There was happy, new, transformation, acceptance, wisdom, healing. These were the words that people use, just ordinary people today, to describe how Jesus had changed their life. Do you know what? It seems so in fitting and along the same lines as what uh, the people we see in the Gospels describe their life change. The same as Paul describes his life change. It was going down. It was awful. My life was destructive. And then Jesus interrupted it and he changed me and he brought me in this whole new direction. And do you know what? This isn't just the story of every person who Jesus encounters uh, and who put their faith in him. It's actually the story of all of history. Bible starts with us in a garden with God, things going really well. We rebel against him and things become destructive. The world is out of joint. Everything goes wrong, heading, heading down, and then Jesus interrupts. Jesus comes to earth, lives as one of us, dies for all those bad things that all of us have done, and then rises to new life to begin a new project. And from then on, people put their faith in God and are rescued. Their destructive lives are changed. And, that, and life, history in fact, now is heading in this direction. And Jesus is going to return where he'll bring about an end to everything that's bad. And all new, for those who put their faith in him, they will be with him forever in glory. And it will just get better and better and better. That is the shape of history. It may seem trite to do this. But in my mind, as I thought of this graph idea in the shape of Paul's life, of every Christian story, and ultimately the Bible tells us of history, this is what it looks like. That's what it looks like. God is full of joy. He's full of love. He hates the things that are evil, but his predominant emotions are joy and happiness in who he is. And he is determining history to be shaped as he is. Do Christians experience this life as a smooth upward curve? Is that what it looks like for you as a Christian? Day to day, quite possibly not. We make mistakes. Bad things happen to us. Paul experienced that. There are plenty of references in the rest of Galatians to that. But he knew that God has determined to set our stories into this shape and all the plot lines within it can be turned that way.
This is the direction in which life is heading for everyone who puts their trust in Jesus. If you're listening today and you haven't done this, please do. This is the only way for your life to be arrested from this destructive downward direction is to repent before God, which is to say, I've been getting it wrong. Jesus, I need you in my life. He is so willing to do that. Maybe you're honest enough to realise that this is actually how life has been going. You now need to take that step of faith. Ask Jesus to intervene and to rescue you. For those of us who have made this response, whether today or many, many years ago, or some point in between, let us be thankful again for what God has done for us. Let us be thrilled with it, amazed by it, that this is now the shape of our life. This is what God has done to us and for us. It's easy in the kind of up and down of day-to-day life not to know that it's going that way. You might still say as a Christian, I don't know where my life's going. That is where your life is going. That is what God has determined to do with your life. Let us be joyful because of that. Let us be full of hope because of that. In that kind of midst of where is life going? Fix yourself. No, Jesus, you've said it's going like this. You've determined this is the direction it is setting. That means that even in this situation, however complicated and hard and bad it may seem to be, the promise of Jesus for you is he can work it for good. He can work it for good. He is able to do that. And so we can have fresh hope for our lives, the lives of others, the city in which we live in. Even where things seem to be heading in the wrong direction, God can change that. It's amazing news. I want us to celebrate it. It's fitting to be thrilled with this. Sometimes it's good to hear a message and be like, yeah, great, I need to go and think about that. The thing to do today is just to praise God. And we've already had a great time doing that. Band, I want to ask you to come back up. You lead us in a final song. I hope you're feeling celebratory because you've just heard the best news there is in the whole world. (laughs) We're going to praise God. If you're able to stand, why don't you stand? I want to encourage you. It just feels like wheels are in motion in your mind. You're seeing things differently to the way you've done so before. You, You kind of came in here, if you're honest, you're like, I don't think I'm really a Christian. And now I think, oh my goodness, this could be true. This hope could be mine. You need to respond. You need to respond to that. We're going to sing a song that describes some of that. And that could be part of the start of your response. And then please, you take yourself up the stairs to our ministry team, up on the balcony. They'll be there, ready, willing, able to speak with you, talk to you, and lead you through this process. Because you need to, you need to speak with God about it. And it helps to have someone alongside you to explain what that is. And then to begin this new life. For the rest of us, a moment of just pause of thankfulness and then we're going to sing loudly and with joy in our hearts that God has totally changed the shape of our lives just think of those things where your life was headed think how God has turned that around